0: This week on Blue 58, a member of Denver's talented defense has been connected to the Packers. We sort out our expectations on rookie cornerback Kevin King and talk about whether offensive coordinator Edgar Bennett is ever going to get any interest as a head coach candidate. Also, would you rather have Jordy Nelson or Sterling Sharp catching passes for you in their prime? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of com. I am your host, John Meerdink. We are joined today, as we are every week, by Gary Zilovey. How are we doing, Gary? It's a great day to be great, John. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to be powered by WTMJ Mobile, which is what we are today, as we are each and every day here on Blue 58. Let's dive right in with some headlines, starting on the defensive line. Not in OTAs, although the Packers did start their organized team activities this week, but we're talking about a column from ESPN columnist Bill Barnwell. He recently wrote that the Packers' next offseason step should be to sign defensive lineman Vance Walker. And I'll quote the relevant portion of that column here. He says, with first-round pick Kenny Clark likely to start at nose tackle, as projected by ESPN's Rob Domovsky, the Packers have a hole at defensive end, where rookie third-round pick Montrevius Adams could compete with journeyman Ricky Jean-Francois for snaps. Walker was a useful contributor on excellent defenses for the Chiefs and Broncos in 2014 and 2015 before missing all of 2016 with a torn ACL. His market has yet to materialize, but having just turned 30 and with his knee injury taking place last August, Walker should still have something left in the tank. Now there's a couple things that I think we can disagree with Barnwell on here, but I want to talk about his first point there, namely that the Packers should sign... Vance Walker, Gary, do you think the Packers need to add another veteran to their defensive line?
1: I don't, John. I think that if the Packers are going to make a change to their roster, barring any injuries that happen during OTAs, it's going to be after training camp starts. I'm not that high as Barnwell is on Walker's potential value to the Packers. I look at the way the roster's set up now. And I just don't know where you fit a guy like Walker, where you can get him meaningful snaps. Where Barnwell misses the mark, in my opinion, is kind of looking past guys like Dean Lowry. Uh, he mentioned Kenny Clark, Montrevius Adams, uh, Mike Daniels, Ricky Jean-Francois. There's There's a lot of guys there that are going to get some significant snaps. And someone who maybe we've written off and we certainly have talked about him quite a bit on the podcast is Latroy Guyon, who faces an early season suspension, but is still on this roster. So uh, we don't know if Guyon is going to, to stick around for that four game suspension and then play again. But Ultimately, I think the Packers are probably set on their defensive line as far as veterans are concerned.
0: I think they're set, too, and I'm willing to give Barnwell a bit of a pass here because this seems like the sort of piece, just looking at it in its entirety, where he was told, hey, we need you to write a piece and this is something it has to include. They wanted him to make some predictions because predictions get clicks and they get people talking like we are now. That aside, he misses one thing that that I think a lot of people are are forgetting um, when it comes to the Packers defensive line, and the Packers is that the Packers just don't carry a lot of defensive linemen. Last year, they only carried five on the defensive line for much of the season. They carried uh, Daniels, Clark, Guyon, Lowry, and uh, Christian Ringo, and Ringo wasn't even active for much of the season. They don't, just don't need a lot of defensive linemen with the way that they rotate them and the way that they play them. I would be surprised, like you, Gary, if they picked him up now, maybe after training camp, but we'll see. That's a long way away. Moving back a little bit further on the defensive, or on the defensive side of the ball, but sticking with defense, we're going to talk a little bit about Kevin King, specifically what we should expect from him as a rookie. This is a bit of a what-if sort of question, which is something we try to stay away from But I think this is important because it talks about setting expectations. I think the idea that we're going for when we're talking about Kevin King is looking at, as we do in this piece at ThePowerSweep.com, what is the perfect situation for him? Setting that as sort of the ceiling for his year and then trying to come up with something sort of realistic that he could actually accomplish that would be sort of our perfect world. So, Gary, what's your perfect world scenario for Kevin King?
1: Well, John, I think you made a really good point in the article on ThePowerSweep.com by looking at the value other cornerbacks drafted in the first and second rounds by the Packers contributed in their rookie seasons. I think expecting King to make an immediate superstar contribution is certainly wishful thinking. I like to think Kevin King's perfect world scenario is a bit like the case of Sam Shields during his rookie year in 2010. Now, Shields started six games and came on near the end of the season. If you remember, he had two interceptions in the NFC Championship game against the Chicago Bears, including one that sealed the victory. Now, ideally, King's development is going to improve if guys like Demarius Randall, Devon House, and Quinton Rollins all play above where their 2016 performance isn't wound up. A rising tide lifts all boats, and if the Packers aren't counting on Kevin King immediately, Uh, to make a major contribution to this defense, that's going to be good news for all parties involved.
0: I think that's a great way of putting it, Gary. And and if the Packers need Kevin King to play an enormous high-profile, high-performance role from week one, I think they're already in trouble. The best perfect situation for Kevin King would actually, like you mentioned, be if everybody else from last year actually played better and he doesn't have to take on as big of a role. He can just be kind of the player that he is and grow into that bigger role as the season goes on. I compared him, his ideal season to something like we saw from Nick Collins in his rookie year. He started all 16 games. He had two interceptions or one interception and eight passes defensed. Pretty solid season. Not a world beater. If the Packers get some good contributions from other defensive backs and Kevin King can do something like that, I think this is a win for everyone involved. Finally, back on the offensive side of the ball, Edgar Bennett he is the offensive coordinator for the Packers entering his third season in that role. And we have to wonder, why isn't Edgar Bennett head coach? Why isn't he getting more opportunities perhaps to interview for that? Gary, you did a pretty deep dive on Bennett's history, both as a player and as a coach in Green Bay. Walk us through it and and tell us about his rise and maybe why he hasn't gotten a shot at a head coaching interview yet.
1: Well, John, I think two things have affected Edgar Bennett's rise in the NFL coaching ranks. The first is the Packers policy under head coach Mike McCarthy of blocking assistant coaches from interviewing for coordinator jobs if they're under contract. Uh, We're unsure whether Bennett has ever been requested to interview for a coordinator job in the past. But if he had and had gotten the job sooner than in 2015, when he was elevated to co-offensive coordinator with Tom Clements, they'd be a little bit further along in his coaching career. Ultimately, Bennett has been a bit of a victim of his own success. When he joined the Packers organization in 2001 under head coach Mike Sherman, he, he kind of had a variety of roles, including assisting Sly Kroom uh, as an assistant running backs coach. When Kroom departed to take the head coaching job at Mississippi State, Bennett was passed over for the role initially for one year to become the head running backs coach in favor of Johnny Rowland. And at the time, Mike Sherman had said that Bennett was just too valuable where he was. And you, you wonder if that plays a little bit of why Edgar Bennett has stayed in Green Bay as long as he has, that he's just too good at his job. Now, the second reason is just time. Now, the Packers have a long history of offensive coaches, uh, especially under Mike McCarthy, making the head coaching leap. Think about guys like Joe Philbin and, more recently, Ben McAdoo. I think Tom Clement's departure this season is going to be a really a good thing for Edgar Bennett's future career as a head coach, because this year will be the first year where Bennett is really the main man in charge of the offense under McCarthy. Depending on how he fares in that role, I'm under the impression we'll start to see his name be floated around as a candidate for a head coaching job in next offseason.
0: Doing the research that you've done, do you think Edgar Bennett wants to be a head coach? Because I think there's a lot of guys who maybe see what other coaches go through, or when you think of a guy like Dom Capers, have had the opportunity to be a head coach, didn't have it go so well, and really don't want to go back down that road. Does it seem like Bennett is interested in that?
1: John, it sure seems that way. Uh, Mike McCarthy has even gone as far to say on the record that uh, Edgar Bennett is head coach material. And Bennett himself in 2015 uh, said, quote, if an opportunity like that, meaning a head coaching job, comes up and I'm fortunate to have a chance like that, I just want to make the most of it. Ultimately, I think that Edgar Bennett has his eyes on a head coaching job. Uh, he, He attended Florida State and his college coach, Bobby Bowden, said, that if everybody on his football team played like Edgar Bennett, coaching would be a whole lot easier. And uh, it sure seems that as a coach, he's lived out that credo.
0: So he's not going to make the roster as a running back this year, I guess, is what you're saying? Is pretty much offensive <laughs> coordinator bust?
1: I think that's probably where his uh, where his skill set's going to lie on this team of 2017.
0: And you know, tackling or getting tackled does get old after a while, I would think. He's not a young man. Much better
1: anymore. to watch it on the offs. Uh, much better to watch it on the sidelines, right? <laughs>
0: Especially when you can coach and say things like, "You know, Ty, what you did wrong on this play is you got tackled. Try not to do that next time." We're going to play a little bit of a game here after I talk to you about uh, how you can support the power sweep. Would you rather Packers edition? But first, talking about supporting the power sweep, how can you support us? Well, the important thing to remember is. The reason that we do this is for you, the listener, the reader, the people who interact with us online. We started this because we thought there were more people like us, people who wanted to talk about the Packers, read things about the Packers in a certain sort of way. And if you read the things that we do, I think you know what we're talking about. We're doing this for you. And the important thing that you're the most important thing that you can do for us at any level is just continue to read and Listen and and do the things that you're doing already. But if there's some other things that you want to do to get involved to help us out, there's a couple things. First and foremost, just continue to share our articles on whatever social media platform or email uh, system that you use. That's really the most important thing that you can do. Help us get these things in front of more people. It helps more people find our work. Secondly, sign up for our email newsletter. You're going to get one email from us at most per week. It's going to give you the latest edition of Blue58 and a couple of things we've been working on on the site. That's it. You're going to protect that email like gold and you're never going to get bothered by us via email. You want to support us a little bit more in the oh monetary sense. There's a couple of things that you can do there, too. If you've heard of the website Patreon.com, you know it's a way for you to support people who are doing creative things, whether it's writing or blogging or creating podcasts. It's a place where you can give some money, throw some change towards some people who are doing things that you like. We have a page set up there. Just search The Power Sweep at Patreon.com. We're going to ask you for $1 per month at most. That's going to help us do things like uh, keep the site up and running and keep it ad-free, which is super important for us now and forever because it really affects the way that the site operates for the better, keeping all of the ads off there. Finally, if you want to buy something with our awesome Sweep logo on it, we have a, a page set up at Spreadshirt.com with some t-shirts and sweatshirts and all sorts of good stuff there. Gary's done a great job designing those shirts for everybody to wear. And we think that you'll like uh, some of the things that we have going on there in the future as well. The most important thing, though, just continue to read, to listen, to interact with us, because that's really what it's all about. We appreciate everybody's support, uh, and it's really all about you that we do this at all. So thank you for doing that. Let's get on with the show. Gary, real simple premise for this portion of the program for this week. Would you rather? I think everybody's encountered this sort of question before. Would you rather have option A? Or would you rather have option B? We've come up with a few questions. We're going to try to work through these scenarios together. If there's something that you, the listener, would like us to uh, take up in a future episode of Packers, would you rather, uh, be sure to send that along our way. We will try to incorporate those questions in the future. So, Gary, why don't you lead us off here?
1: All right, John, here comes the first one. Would you rather have had Sean Payton or Mike McCarthy? as your head coach in 2006.
0: This is something I was very passionate about in 2006, and I wanted Mike McCarthy, but I more specifically didn't want Sean Payton because of his connection to the Dallas Cowboys. I really didn't know anything about McCarthy or Payton as coaches. I like some of the stuff that McCarthy had done in New Orleans, but mostly I just didn't want somebody from the Cowboys coaching the Packers. What about you? Who would you have rather had? It's
1: hard to say because both have, have won a Super Bowl, so I don't think there's a a, a a a bad choice here. I think Sean Payton would have kept the offense fresher, but ultimately I'm going to choose McCarthy because he has had a better defense uh, somehow than Sean Payton has in New Orleans. Doesn't,
0: so give me McCarthy. He doesn't seem to get criticized for it the same way that, or he doesn't seem to escape criticism rather that, that Payton as um, Peyton doesn't get criticized for having terrible defenses as much as Mike McCarthy seems to. There, that's what I was trying to say. Maybe that's uh, because of the bounty scandal and I guess having a defense so bad that you have to put bounties on people to actually make it good gets you some kind of credit. I don't know. That's, That's sort of twisted. Hmm. I have to think about that. Anyway, let's move on. Would you rather Gary have a Pro Bowl quarterback for one year or a Pro Bowl outside linebacker? for four years.
1: Well, John, now this comes to the part of the program where uh, we have to get very detailed about questions about the would you rather. All right. I Um, will,
0: I will unveil here. So as you may know, there was a former quarterback for the green Bay Packers by the name of Brett Favre, who went on. I'm familiar to play for some teams other than the Packers by way of a trade prior to the 2008 season. So he played for the jets, and the Vikings for three years total after the Packers sent him on his way. He made the Pro Bowl for the Jets in 2008. I don't count that because he threw 22 interceptions and 22 touchdowns or, or whatever it was. It was the same amount of interceptions as touchdowns. It was bad. But in 2009, he had a very good season, made the Pro Bowl, and, and very well deserved it. The reason the outside linebacker comparison comes in is because the Packers ultimately used the pick that they got from the Jets in exchange for Brett Favre to trade back into the first round and select Clay Matthews in 2009, who went on to make the Pro Bowl for the first four or five seasons of his career. So that's the would-you-rather for me. What do you think? Would you rather have the Pro Bowl quarterback for one year or a Pro Bowl outside linebacker for four?
1: I'm going to take the Pro Bowl quarterback for one year. I think that we've seen examples in recent history – think of a guy like the very elite Joe Flacco, where if you can have a great quarterback run for one year, you got a real good shot at winning a Super Bowl. Khalil Mack is a great Pro Pro Bowl outside linebacker, and he has been for a number of years. Uh, But the Raiders haven't, haven't made a Super Bowl. Eli Manning... Uh, Joe Flacco, they've made Super Bowls and won them. So give me the quarterback.
0: I think if you're one player away, I would rather have the Pro Bowl quarterback for for one year. I think it's so much more difficult to win a Super Bowl just with a great defense than it is to, to ride a quarterback who's hot. I was looking back at some stuff the other day about Super Bowl winning defenses and the, the time that the Indianapolis Colts won the Super Bowl – With Peyton Manning as their quarterback, they had something like the 25th ranked defense by that famous efficiency metric DVOA. They were a very, very bad defense, but because Peyton Manning was so unstoppable, they blasted their way to the Super Bowl and won it. I think I would rather have the Pro Bowl quarterback, too.
1: All right, John, let's go ahead and pivot to the offensive side. Uh, Now, here we're not going to talk about number of years, but rather would you rather, if given the choice, have a Pro Bowl running back or a Pro Bowl tight end?
0: I think I would rather have the Pro Bowl tight end because I think it helps your offense in more ways than just having a Pro Bowl running back. I guess it depends a little bit on the type of Pro Bowl running back that you have. But, but by and large, I would rather have that elite weapon in the receiving game than an elite weapon in the run game. I think you can look at the Minnesota Vikings as an example of of what an elite weapon in the running game can do for you. You're going to dominate all the way to 9-7 and for years on end, which is, I guess, where every team wants to be. I think the fact is, when it comes to the playoffs, you're you're going to win more often with passing than with running. And I think a a Pro Bowl tight end frees up a lot more things for the rest of your passing game than a, a Pro Bowl running back does good things. How about you?
1: I'm going to take the opposite approach here, John. I'm going to pick the running back. Maybe it's just nostalgia for missing him on green, but I, I get the sense that the Packers in the last five years would have been a better offense had they would have had a real pro bowl stud offensive, um, offensive backfield weapon at running back. Uh, Eddie Lacey certainly, I think might've made a, a garbage pro bowl in there one year, but, uh, You know, I think to your comment about the Vikings earlier, when Favre and Peterson were both on the team, they were a dumb Favre throw away from a a Super Bowl. And uh, on the flip side, the New England Patriots have certainly won their fair share of games and, and made the Super Bowl with the polar bear they taught to catch a football and Rob Gronkowski. So I don't think there's a wrong answer here, but if given the choice, I'd choose
0: running back. I think this is one where it really depends on the kind of running back. A uh, quarterback and an outside linebacker, are, it's it's a little bit more clear-cut. I mean, what was his name? Gary Barnage in Cleveland uh, made a Pro Bowl a couple of years ago as a tight end. I mean, he's not a— world.
1: Everybody makes a Pro Bowl if you play long enough. Right.
0: He's not a world-changing tight end. I mean, a Pro Bowl running back, even if it's the 2014 version of Eddie Lacy, wasn't— I mean, he's not an Adrian Peterson-caliber Pro Bowl running back, but he's still probably better for your team than a more stocky blocking-type tight end. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm coming back around to your way. We should probably move on before I flip-flop completely because I think disagreement is good. Embrace debate, right? <laughs> there you go. Gary, would you rather have one guaranteed Super Bowl win and then no chance of winning a Super Bowl for the next few years or a 25% shot at a Super Bowl for 6 years in a row?
1: Oh, this is such a sneaky question, John. I'm going to choose a 25% shot at a Super Bowl for 6 years in a row and here's why. I love football. And I love football so much that I want to watch as much football for as long into the season as I can. Now the last few years of the Packers have been ended in poor, poor ways. I think of the the loss in overtime to the Arizona Cardinals Uh, both in 2009 and two years ago. I think of the beating in Atlanta in the NFC Championship game, the branded Bostic onside kick. I'm going to stop there because I'm getting sad. But what was great about that is that the Packers were in the playoffs. They were making, they were winning games. It was fun to follow football and my Sundays were better for it. So I say, give me that one out of four shot at a Super Bowl for six years in a row.
0: I think what, the reason I came up with this question was the a really great debate that you see around the internet every so often. Would you rather have the New York Giants' recent run of success, like say 2007 to present, or the Packers' run of success from say 2007 to present? So in that span, the Giants have won the Super Bowl twice and then been basically irrelevant every single other season other than those two. The Packers, meanwhile, have been in the playoffs each of those seasons, uh, except for 2008, and been in the NFC Championship game uh, at least three times. I think I would rather take the 25% chance over five or six years than just having the one guaranteed Super Bowl win. Like you, I like watching football for as long as I possibly can. So staving off that elimination and at least having the chance is better than knowing that you're going to be irrelevant for one year, or for for multiple years after winning it all one season.
1: Well, I'll take it, John. I think that sounds good to me. Um, Here's our next one. Would you rather sign Corey Lindsley or Devontae Adams long-term?
0: My gut reaction to this one was to just say Adams and not look back, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not really sure. I think it's probably... Oh, more like 60-40 Adams to Lindsley. I think I would prefer Adams, but it's not as much as a sl- of a slam dunk as I thought. I'm trying to think back to the last time the Packers really had a disaster at center, and it's it's been a while. Even the Jeff Saturday year in 2012, while not great, was still passable. Um, I think I would rather have Adams because even I, I think you can disguise having a bad center more than you can this guy's not having anyone to catch the catch the ball.
1: I think both of these positions, John, are positions where the Packers have had pretty good success finding talent in the later rounds of the draft. Ted Thompson is a stud at finding wide receivers in the second, third, fourth rounds. And Corey Lindsley, J.C. Treader, Evan Diedrich Smith, now Evan Smith, those are all guys that he's plucked from. You know, relative obscurity in the fourth or later rounds, and and have become elite or very good uh, centers in the league. If I had to pick one, I'm going to pick Adams. I think he's uh, a better fit for uh, for the Packer offense. Kind of a bit bit. Um, I think that I just think it's going to be easier for the Packers to replace Lindsley than it would be for Adams. Uh, but that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
0: Good story. Would you rather have Elliot Wolf or Brian Gutekunst as your next general manager of the Green Bay Packers? And you can't say neither like Bob McGinn and pick John Dorsey.
1: <laughs> well, I wasn't going to do that. But I think the challenge here, John, is we know so little about how the Packers front office operates. Even looking back 20 years, we still have clues and ideas and nuggets of, of information about how Ron Wolf ran his front office. And but but we didn't know until Reggie McKenzie, John Snyder, uh, John Dorsey and Ted Thompson all got their own GM jobs who really could do it on their own. If I had to pick one, I'm going to take the name recognition of Elliot Wolf, but I'm certainly in no position to judge whether Wolf or Gudekunst is is capable or qualified. There certainly seemed to be that way, but whether they can actually do it as a as a general manager in the NFL calling the shots.
0: I feel like we're a little bit in the office space sort of situation. Whenever we as fans talk about the machinations of the Packers front office, you know, what, what would it be that you say you do here uh, to, to or Wolf? I, I can't really say what they do. We get, like you said, little nuggets now and then gut would say Guttekunst, but I really don't know. Um, some of the some of the people on the beat seem to be pretty high on him, and though Wolf has the name recognition and, and the cool backstory, it seems like Gutikunst and is, the
1: cool Twitter account.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Gutekunst is is pretty pretty behind the scenes, pretty invisible. It seems like when push comes to shove, he 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 makes some pretty big decisions. So just as a guest, I would as a guess I would take him, but I don't really know any more than you do, unfortunately.
1: All right, John, here's the one we've been teasing all show long. Would you rather have wide receiver Jordy Nelson or Sterling Sharp in their prime catching passes?
0: This one, at first blush, I, I wrote this one. Uh, at first blush, I thought it was a lot closer. It's not. Sterling Sharp is a slam dunk here. Assuming he's healthy, I think he's a much more explosive product than than Nelson even in, in Nelson's prime, and he just seems to be built for the modern NFL. If you look back at highlights of Sterling Sharp, he looks like he could walk right onto the field in 2017 from 1994 and contribute immediately. He was way ahead of the curve. Picture like a super muscled up Greg Jennings, uh, lightning fast, big, strong guy, not afraid to go over the middle. I think it's Sharp. What about you?
1: I think it's Sharp too, John. I, I get a little bit of a Javon Walker vibe from watching these old clips of 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 Sharp. If you are a younger fan and maybe weren't around for the Sterling Sharp years, it's worth it to hop on over to YouTube and specifically look up Sterling Sharp's uh, 1993 wildcard game-winning catch against the Detroit Lions and get a good idea of the kind of athlete that he was. Again, no disrespect to Jordy Nelson. I think that he is without a doubt, one of the absolute best wide receivers in Packers history. Um, and, and that's saying something, considering the the legends of, of Don Hudson and, and Donald Driver that we've had. Uh, but if I had to pick, I'm going to take Sharp.
0: Sharp, a great player. And I think uh, something that always stands out to me about him was hearing his brother, Shannon, talk in his Hall of Fame speech. And he said something along the lines of, you know, if my brother Sterling had Stayed healthy. Nobody'd have heard of Shannon Sharp, and that's saying something because he's one of the the best tight ends to ever play. Couple silly ones on our way out the door, Gary. Would you rather have T.J. Rubley as your starting quarterback for an entire season, or let Mason Crosby kick you as hard as he can?
1: Man, that's a crazy one, John. For for our viewers and listeners um, who who may not know, can you give us the backstory on T.J. Rubley here?
0: Uh, the, the short version of the story is that in the in the mid-90s, uh, during a, a road game at Minnesota, I believe, Brett Favre and a couple of the other backup Packers quarterbacks went out of the game, leaving T.J. Rubley to command the offense. Now, the Packers were driving late in the game, and they looked to be getting close to position for what would be a game-winning field goal. And Rubley had very specific instructions about what he was supposed to do. Take the snap hand off, and get out of there with the win. Uh, Rubley decided that that would not be what he did. Instead, audible basically calling his own number, turning the ball over. Can't remember if it was an interception or a fumble, but basically giving the game away, and Rubley was never seen in Wisconsin again.
1: (laughs) Well, given all that, John, uh, I'll take Mason Crosby. Uh, because you didn't tell me where he's going to kick me. He so, gets to uh, pick. Give me Mason Crosby. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, new information. Um, well, all right, well, I'm going to take no pain, uh, or at least physical pain. So give me TJ. Let's roll. Let's see what we can do, baby.
0: I'm going to bank on the kindness of Mason Crosby. He seems like a pretty nice guy. Mason, don't kick me anywhere important, head or anywhere else. Uh, I, I just don't know if I could put up with that kind of emotional pain uh I'm, I'm picturing in this scenario this is not a Aaron Rodgers goes down with an injury no this is just the Packers have decided to bench Aaron Rodgers in favor of TJ Rubley for some sort of inexplicable reason I would rather I would rather get kicked by Mason Crosby than that
1: well uh to each their own so so John our last one to round us off here uh would you rather have Mike Sherman as your general manager for three years or Ted Thompson as your head coach for three years.
0: So we actually got the Mike Sherman experience for, I think it was for three years. It was for three years at least, or close to three years where he was the general manager. And that did not go very well. Um, But Ted Thompson has no coaching experience either. He's always been a personnel man throughout his entire career. That said, I think Ted Thompson would be very good at sort of taking the executive sort of overseer, head coach sort of thing. You know, he's not going to be a rah-rah kind of guy, but he could at least embrace doing no harm and trying to stay out of the way and let his assistants do the work, while uh, while he does bigger and better things as the head coach. I think I'm taking Ted Thompson.
1: I'll take Mike Sherman, and here's why: if you if you study the Mike Sherman years as general manager, specifically his ouster uh, from the position, Bob Harlan, the Packers president at the time, said that the dual role of general manager and head coach was just too much for Mike Sherman. And I think we saw that a lot uh, throughout the league. Guys like Mike Holmgren and others who had taken kind of that dual role um, and and didn't fare very well because that's two really demanding full-time, ultra full-time jobs to do together. So instead, we've seen that kind of hybrid role where a guy like Chip Kelly or Pete Carroll gets kind of the final say on the 53-man roster, but as the personnel person in the booth. Now, the uh, reason why I take Sherman, I think his first couple of drafts, uh, he, he did pick some winners. He made some some silly decisions with some contract extensions, but uh, ultimately, I think we could get by for three years with Mike Sherman calling the shots.
0: Well, hey, Gary, while I got you here, a word about Mike Sherman. He recently brought his tenure as the head coach of Nauset Regional High School in Massachusetts. Uh, to a close, after nearly three seasons there, he started coaching there as a as a high school head coach in two thousand and fifteen, kind of bringing his career full circle because he began his career at Stamford High School all the way back in nineteen seventy eight Interesting note, Stamford High School is the alma mater of Alex Joseph, a linebacker who had a cup of coffee with the Green Bay Packers prior to the two thousand ten season. Everything ties back, as it always does, to the Packers. Gary, I think that's those about a show for this week.
1: Are, I think it sure sounds like it, John. For those of you who would like to keep tabs on us, we are uh, you can find our work on thepowersweep.com. We'd love it if you'd give us a like on Facebook or Twitter. We're The Power Sweep in both locations or at The Power Sweep on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear from you too our email address is thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com all of your notes and encouragement and and suggestions and ideas have really been uh, just a a wonderful wind beneath our wings Uh, it helps john and i make blue 58 and the power sweep better and helps make all of us smarter Packer fans.
0: And smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. For Gary Zillevy, I'm John Meerdink We'll see you next week on Blue 58.